Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. So at the beginning of this week, I had some pretty tragic, not tragic, some, some tough news. And then on Wednesday, I had a, a test, and I'll spare my medical history, it's pretty long. And the woman who was administering the test, she was a doctor from Iran. And we, it was an hour-long test, and we were alone in a room. And as we began to talk, the Holy Spirit just invaded the room. I mean, you could, you could taste it. And by the end of the hour, I led her to Christ. And be, before I prayed for her, she said, you know, in my country, I would die for this. And I just said, he's worth it. He's worth it. And then this morning, I woke up to a text. I was a few minutes late coming this morning to meet one of my friends, his son, who's in high school, took his life last night. And you wake up in mornings like this and weeks like this, and you go, why pray? Why pray? Why do, why do we even pray? I know you're in this series of prayer. And I would say to you, it's a great question to ask. And I'm going to keep asking it this morning. I love to pray. But many times I struggle with prayer. I struggle with the why. I sometimes struggle with the how. Um, maybe you're a little bit like me. I start to pray. And <laughs> I'll be like, Father, thank you for my son. And for his friend Justin, who, you know, is playing lacrosse. And, oh, my son needs a new lacrosse stick. And, oh, his outfit's dirty. It's still in the trunk. And, and like two minutes of that, and then I'll go, why am I here with my Bible? Oh, yeah, I'm praying. You know, just I can get distracted. All these things about prayer. But I want to challenge you this morning with that question, why prayer, why prayer, why prayer? Why, why, why even pray? So when I was a youth pastor here in the Seattle area a long time ago, so long ago I had long hair and a ponytail, you can tell that was a long time ago. <laughs> we took a trip to Mexico, New Mexico, on a mission strip. We drove because I hate myself. So 40 teenagers, three vehicles. We drove all the way there, middle of summer. It was hot. On the way back, it was late at night. We stopped out in the middle of nowhere in New Mexico. I mean, just out in the middle. People had to go to the bathroom, so we're like, we'll stop. And, and when we got out of the vehicles, one of the gentlemen who was one of our youth leaders, he said, look, and this was before the advent of cell phones. That's how long ago this was. And they, so go up right over this ridge, and we'll leave our car lights on, but don't go too far because it's so dark, so just pitch black, it would be easy to get lost. And so yell or whatever, but stay close by. And, eh, good advice. So when everyone came back, when I say everyone, I mean boys. When the boys came back to the vans, he said, okay, turn out all the lights, anything that has a light, turn it off. And we turned it off, and we stood there in the complete darkness, and it was, it was 
utterly amazing. I felt like it was my first time. We looked up into the heavens, and there were, I don't know if they passed certain legislation in New Mexico, but they have more stars than we have in Minnesota or Seattle. I mean, there was, I mean, billions. And if you, if you do your homework, you know there are three billion stars in every galaxy, and there's one planet that orbits each star. Three billion stars in one galaxy. That we know of, there are over three billion galaxies. And in many of those galaxies, they have stars and planets that are bigger than our whole galaxy. Can you wrap your mind around that? And so in knowing that that night and staring up into the sky, I felt like I am I am nobody, I am nothing, I'm like David said, I'm a mist, I'm a, I'm a dust. I'm like, but we see throughout the Psalms that God says, I displayed my handiwork in the heavens so that you might know me. Sounds great, but my question is still, why pray? God wants to know us. Matthew 6, 8, therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. So we have rewards in prayer, but if, if God already knows what we're going to ask Him, like, okay, before you even ask, He knows what you need. So there are times when I've got interrupted in my prayer life and, or my prayer time, and I'll be like, well, you already know. Okay, got to go. You know, it's just... But if He already knows, why am I praying? And we look at uh, Matthew 6.6, 6, when you pray, go into your room, Close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And again, a great understanding. That means he will render back to you what was stolen. He will give back to you what you rightly deserve as a follower of Christ. Health, healing, prosperity, all of those things that as a, as a good charismatic I can get behind. But still, why pray? Just for that reason? Why do we pray? Here is an insight I think that will help you. It helped me greatly. In John 16, 24, it says, Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. So Jesus is talking to the disciples. And in the context of this, of this scripture, because context is everything, he's saying, so right now I'm here on earth. And in a little time, I'm going to go away, and you're not going to understand, but then I'm going to come back. But as, as of right now, you can go and you can ask something in my name and know that in the future when I'm gone, you can ask something in my name so that your joy may be complete. And it's a great verse. Uh, and, and, it, and just on its own, you look at it, you go, that, that feels so good, so that my joy may be complete. Now, what's interesting it says, if you ask anything in my name, in the Greek it literally means he will answer your prayer. So if my child, my child, my 33-year-old child, comes and asks me for something, I will give him an answer. He always knows I'm going to answer him. Just like God, thank you, Jesus. But I'm not always going to tell him what he wants to hear. So this verse has kind of a dual meaning. Go to me whenever you need something and ask, and I will answer so that your joy might be full, so it may be complete. So you, 
Come back, you go, okay, so I'm going to ask, and you might not answer the way I want to, but I'm still going to have joy? Why am I praying again? Help me understand. I've been praying for a Corvette for years. Still hasn't happened. I just, ever, some morning I'm going to wake up, it's going to be in my driveway. I just know it. Uh, you heard the joke about the woman whose husband forgot her anniversary. And she got up expecting a gift. And, you know, they'd been married almost 30 years. And, and her husband's business has been doing really well. And so he's like, he totally forgot. She blew up. I can't believe you forgot our 30-year anniversary. She said, when I wake up tomorrow morning, there better be something in the driveway that goes zero to 200 like that. So she got up the next morning. He'd already left. She looked out in the driveway. There was a box all gift wrapped. She thought, car keys. She ran out, opened the box. It was a scale. Um, <laughs> and they never heard from him again. So that your joy may be full. In the original Greek, the word there may be, it's a pregnant verb. It means something that we don't really understand until we look at its, its original form. The Greek word is aimi. And it means, so that you know I exist. So if you read it in the original Greek, it would be like this. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive an answer so that you may know I exist and experience the joy that I exist. Why pray? So that I know that he exists. Simply so that I know he exists. I love the fact that he wants to know us and we want to know him. But many times we use prayer as a tool simply just almost flippantly, and we don't realize it's not a tool. Ready for that word that we hear all the time? It's a relationship. But that word there, I exist, means that deep, meaningful connection, connotation. So you can go to him and ask something, and he will say no, but you were in his presence. So about two years ago, when Eddie Van Halen died, I wept the whole day. I had prayed my whole life that someday I was going to meet him, I was going to share Christ with him. And whether he accepted or didn't accept, he at least had the gospel presented to him. That's always my heart cry. I just want them to know that they had the gospel presented. I can't make the choice, but, and I came home that day, and my wife is so empathetic. I came home, and she'd heard the news, and I'm crying, and she's holding me. You're, you're holding your 57-year-old husband crying over Eddie Van Halen, who died, okay? It's kind of pathetic, but. And I told her, I thought for sure God was going to, Give me an opportunity to share the gospel. And I was just so heartbroken. And one of my dreams always was to meet him. He's one of my favorite influences while I play guitar. And I just thought it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then it didn't happen. But I always imagine it like this. If I'd known someone well, Eddie was still alive and they said, hey, I have a job for you. I want you to go sell life insurance, which is maybe the worst job possible, that or use cars. And you're like, oh, no, my goodness. But you get to go to Eddie's house and try to sell him. Now, he's going to say no, but you at least get to go see him and, and talk to him. I would, I would run over there. Knock, you know. Hey, uh, Mr. Van Halen, my name's Garth, and uh, I'm here to sell you life insurance. Are you sure? No. And, and the whole time I can tell he doesn't want to buy it, but I get to interact. 
this is awesome. I'm looking over his shoulder, guitars everywhere. You know, Woofie walks by. Hey, Woofie, how you doing, man? Uh, just talking, and, and just, I get to spend 20, 30 minutes at the door talking to him, talking to him, and I walk away, and he never buys health insurance from me, but I'm never going to walk away from there saying, didn't buy health insurance. He didn't buy health insurance. I will, I will never bring that up. I'll be like, guess who I met today? Guess who I met today? Eddie Van Halen. Really? Yeah, he was so nice. He was so cool. I asked him real quick. I said, hey, when you played Spanish Fly on that, uh, on that guitar, it was a classical guitar, and I heard it was Yamaha nylon string. Do you still have that guitar? I'm wondering, because they said it got stolen. I'd have all these questions, all these stories. And it would take you months before you realized I was there to sell him life insurance. Because I got in his presence. And every day I get to come to God, and I get to say, Father, if today is the day that I get a brand new Corvette in my, in my driveway, or whatever it is, or it's a health issue, or it's finances, it's for my kids, it's for my church, it's for you, it's for our country, whether I get the answer or not that I want, I'm in his presence. I understand that he exists. And sometimes we fall short of that. As we go into his presence and we go to pray, we go for an answer, and when we don't get the answer we want, we, we walk away from his presence. Um, hopefully you're not in that type of marriage. You don't get what you want, so kind of walk off and pout rather than just simply stand there and be in their presence. This verse screams at the top of its lungs that he just simply wants to be with us. One of my favorite lines when I'm sharing the gospel is, hey, Jesus would love to get to know you better. And I say it like that, and people go, well, Jesus knows everything. Yeah, but to the non-Christian, they don't hear it that way. To the non-Christian, when I say, hey, Jesus would like to get to know you better, it causes this thought in their head, why would he want to get to know me better? Either I don't need him, he doesn't need to know me, or why would he want to get to know me? I'm a bag full of problems. I'm, and it gets him to think, it gets him to think. Jesus really wants to get to know you. Jesus really wants to be in your presence. He really wants you to approach him. And he doesn't care what. He doesn't care why. I, I had a conversation with a young man two weeks ago. And he said, I just don't feel like praying. I don't know what it is. I said, well, how often do you not feel like praying? Well, just kind of all day. I know I should pray, but then I just don't want to. And it just kind of bugs me all day. I said, great. Just every time that happens, tell God you don't want to pray. Talk to him about it. And he goes, what do you mean? When you don't want to pray, tell him you don't want to pray. I know I'm supposed to be praying, but I don't, I don't want to pray. I just, I'm bored, I'm anxious. I'm, whatever it is, but at least step into his presence and say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. I don't want to pray. And if even if it's for five seconds or a minute, practice, practice knowing that his joy is in you knowing he exists. And I believe one of the foundations to our faith and why it sometimes stumbles is we just simply don't truly believe that he exists just for me, for a relationship. And when you have that solidified, I know he exists for me, for a relationship with me. He doesn't just exist as God. Sunrise, sunset, billions of stars. Yeah, he exists like that, but he also exists like, hey, we should hang out. We should talk. 
and he doesn't care why. My, my youngest son, I'm not telling these stories. I'd say this if he was here. He, uh, when I was 15, I started to have some health problems. And my son had always seen God work in some miraculous ways. He'd travel with me, and he'd see miracles. And then all of a sudden, I get sick, and he didn't see, in his words, I didn't see God come through. So he started to really rebel. I mean, out there. In and out of jail, you name it, been there, OD'd twice, on and on and on. And <clears throat> so as he was on the, about 10 years, this was about 10 years long that he went through it. One day he came over to the house and we were talking and we got in a little bit of an argument. And I am probably the most gentle, soft-spoken person in the world that I know. <laughs> Carrie, shush. Um, and we kind of got into it. And he started using words I hadn't heard since high school and flipped me off, said, I'm never talking to you ever again. I'll never be back in this house ever again, ever. And he stormed out the door. My wife ran after him. She's outside for oh, probably 20 minutes. She comes back in. She's like, you blew it. You blew it. Your son's never going to talk to you again, ever. He's never, never. He's not even coming back up to his room to get some things. He's, he's never coming, stepping foot in here again. He's never talking to you again. He hates you. He said he's going to go get a job and never depend on us for anything. I was like, that all it took? That's all it took to get him in a job? I should have did this years ago. <laughs> and she was mad. She was like, you blew it. And I have blown it many times. And the next day, he went out and started looking for a job. And that evening, my phone rings. And I look down, I'm like, it's my son. Pick it up. Hey, buddy, what's up? Yeah, um, you know, I'm getting a job. Yeah. And I went out, I got a bunch of applications. Okay. And, uh, you know, I still don't like what you said yesterday, blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah, all right. Well, I'm filling this one application out, and I really like the job because it'll make me enough money that I don't, you know, never have to talk to you again. I don't ever have to come over to your house again. I'm okay, yep, point made, got it. But anyway, um, just real quick, what's a dependent? <laughs> well, that's, I got to be honest with you, buddy, that's tricky. That's, uh, that's not something you just answer over the phone. So what are you doing tonight for supper? Well, I don't know. Why don't you come over tonight for supper? Mom's making supper, and I'll walk you through the paperwork. Do you know what she's making? <laughs> well, you know your mom. It'll be good. Okay. Hour or so goes by, comes back to the house. He's got all his applications. And he's like, hey, uh, so this whole dependent thing. And I didn't care why he showed up. I don't, I don't care as his father if he came over again to read me out and yell and scream and swear. He, he's in my presence. This is a kid I almost lost twice to, to uh, overdose. This is a kid that, you know, was in jail because of a, a handgun violence and shooting at other people. This, I don't care. I don't care if you come over to mock me. You're in my presence. I'll take it. God doesn't care why you come to him, what you're talking to him about, what you expect or don't expect. He doesn't care how mad you are at him. He just wants your joy to be full. So that when you walk out and someone says, what were you doing this morning? I was praying. Oh, really? What about? 
praying about my mom. She's really got some health issues. You think God's going to heal her? I don't know. But I got to spend time with Jesus. I got to be in his presence. That is why we pray. There are a lot of reasons and a lot of prayers that we say, that we see in Scripture that says uh, that we know he'll hear. Uh, there, we can pray for the gospel. We can pray for the lost. We can, uh, we can pray for his will to be done. And there, there are Scriptures that we see. We, okay, we know we can pray with a confidence that he's going to honor these. But the majority of our prayers, we really don't know whether he's going to answer or not, do we? And we can spiritualize it. I must not have had the faith. I don't know. It must not have been his will. This must be the cross that I'm bearing. No, none of that's the reason. The reason why you went to pray is to be in his presence, to know him, to know that he exists. Hebrews 5, chapter 11, 12, 13, 14. Paul, I believe, wrote it, says, Whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. The understanding there is not like, you know, like what, huh, what? It means that you've kind of slowly stepped away from being in his presence. And now like many people, even if you don't have a relationship with Christ or you do, you can now just use prayer just for when you need something. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you just kind of slowly, like, you know, and all of a sudden Tuesday shows up, and you're like, oh, man, I might be out of job. They're, they're making cuts. Why better give it? Hey, um, God, I believe that you're the provider. And, but then it's dull because it doesn't stick. We kind of slide back, slide back. We don't practice his presence. Paul goes on, you become dull of hearing, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, those who have, by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So we understand here what Hebrews is saying. As you practice the presence of God, you will be able to teach who he is. You'll be able to teach the presence of God to people. And, and it's one of the, it's really honestly, the only way I can explain it is I can't teach you how so that you go, oh, I get it. I only can talk about it so that you see how much it resonates in me. This morning we're standing down here and we're just having a conversation and I'm just like, I want the presence of God to show up. I want the presence of, and just thinking about it and starting to talk, I just start to choke up. And so many times when I'm talking to people about, about a relationship with Jesus and about experiencing him, I know it's not the words I'm using. I know it's just the Holy Spirit shows up and they can tell there's something, there's something here. There's, there's something different. He's experienced something that I never have. I don't know if you've ever sat down by um, an older person, like my age, and you're just kind of around them, you kind of see how they hold themselves and they say a few things, and you're like, I bet this guy has stories. This guy has stories, I, I can tell. When you practice the presence of God, people understand you have stories, and they want to know your story. Don't know what's, what's different about that dude? 
what, there's something, there's like a, he's got some type of experience. There's, there, and it is the greatest calling card. So we can teach who he is. These verses say, it says, we can practice what he does. And we can discern where his presence is and where his presence is not. And I'll, I'll end with this because I think it's probably the most important point. I can practice his presence and he's with me. And I can go to go somewhere or go to do something and his presence will say, no, 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 no. And I know sometimes it sounds cliche, but I've left him at the door. He'll say, don't go, don't get into this relationship, don't go there, don't start this project, don't whatever it is, because I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying, I'm not in that. It's not even sinful. It's just, this isn't my perfect will, but I just boldly walk into it anyway, because I'm a numbskull, and I'm dull of hearing, and all of a sudden his presence is over there. And I got to, okay, I missed something here. I missed something. I made a decision years ago. I would rather act on what I feel like he's telling me to do and look like a complete fool than not act on what I think he's telling me to do and be a complete fool. Because again, when I look at my boys, I understand they so many times when they were younger, they didn't care what they had to do to come and be by me or be with me. They just wanted to be in my presence and some of the times that I remember going and traveling and uh, speak, because I, for years, would travel all over, I remember getting to the door, and that whole day they're kind of moping around, and I have to leave, and I see just that, that hurt in their eyes. Like, why do you have to leave? I don't ever want my experience with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, for him to be like, why are you, why are you going, why are you doing this? I exist to be with you to share my presence so that your joy might be full. Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't start that relationship, that job, that project. And I have to learn to go, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to pause. I'm going to wait. I want to practice his presence. Why pray? Well, the good news is, is we won't need prayer in eternity. And in fact, the portion of Scripture that I read out of John actually talks about how there will be a time when we're in his presence in heaven. We won't need to pray. We won't need to close our eyes. We won't have to FaceTime. We don't have to text. We just walk up to him and say, hey, Jesus, where's that new Corvette? I probably won't ask that. But we'll be in his presence. But until then, we get to practice his presence by simply coming to him for the sole purpose of being in his presence. Here's my challenge. This week, go to him with no, no agenda. Put on some worship music. I'm not going to ask you of anything. I'm not going to read my Bible looking for spiritual insights. I'm just going to just worship you. And I just want to practice being in your presence. One of my favorite memories is one of my worst memories. I was hired for a day to pick rocks for a farmer that was in our church. And I can't remember what he was going to pay us back then, but it was, it was a, to us, it was great money. So me and four of my friends, we went. It was the hardest job we'd ever done. 
pull this flatbed truck by a tractor while there's a plow in front of it kicking up dirt and we have to pick up anything that's about the size of a softball or bigger and put it on the back of this flatbed. Anybody have that joy? Okay. I can't think of a worse job, but it was the best day of my life because I had my four best friends with me. Gary, Greg, David, and Mitch. We laughed till we cried. Our stomachs hurt. It was so much fun because we were in each other's presence. We went fishing two months ago, all of us together. Talk about that day like it was the great, like we won the lottery. Practicing the presence. May you practice the presence of Jesus this week. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.